Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You can start making decisions about your life if you have money, right? And yeah. I'm not talking like millions and millions of dollars. I'm just talking about like resources, right? So you can quit that toxic job you don't want to be in anymore. You can leave that relationship because you can afford your own apartment. Mm-hmm. You can retire early. You can take a vacation. You can start your business. You can donate to causes you believe in, right? Your entire life, the entire trajectory of your life starts changing when you have financial resources. And so for me, having a financial education is a woman's best form of protest. And if I can get more money into more women's hands, the entire world is going to change because of it. And I believe that's what I was put on this earth to do is fight for women's financial rights. Hello, and welcome to season three of the Wannabe podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm, of course, your host, Imriel. A huge thank you to you if you listened to last week's episode with Elijah Lowell. I hope you got a chance to check out his book, The Clapback, afterwards. It's brilliant. Today's guest is Tori Dunlap. Tori is a money-saving boss. She's a finance coach for millennial women. Here's why you should listen to Tori. She saved $100,000 by the age of 25. She believes that financial education is women's greatest form of protest. She negotiates every opportunity and her budgeting methods don't include a spreadsheet. In today's episode, Tori shares the number one thing you must do right now to take control of your money. We talk about the negative money attitudes and behaviors that keep us in Brokesville and the tools we can use to get out. Tori also shares how we can get true happiness through spending. Make sure you've got your notebook ready. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? I love that question. I I wanted to be an actor for a very, very long time and still kind of do. I majored in organizational communication, which is like marketing with less math in college, and then also got a theater degree. And so started acting when I was five. And I kind of wanted to be Natalie Portman. I still want to be Natalie Portman. Who doesn't <laughs> want to be Natalie Portman? I just looked up to, you know, so many strong women who were actors and activists. And I think, yeah, Natalie Portman, like I love Star Wars. I loved the fact that she, you know, went back to school and was always, you know, super intelligent and well-spoken and also, a, you know, phenomenally talented actress. And yeah, so I think when I was growing up, like she was on my short list of, of people I wanted to be. And yeah, it's so crazy when I think about what I thought my life would look like and how different it actually is. But yet I'm so happy and fulfilled. It's very bizarre. That's brilliant. When you say how your life could have been like and what it actually is, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was always going to pursue theater. Um, I always joked when I was a kid that I was going to move to New York when I was 16, which made no sense because I was still going to be in high school and, you know, couldn't just move on my own to go somewhere. Like, it made no sense. And I love New York. I was actually just there last week, but I realize now I definitely don't want to live there. Um, (laughs) And it's just, it's so interesting because, yeah, I thought that was always my thing. I was was the theater person. Like, I did theater, you know, I was in at least two shows a year my entire childhood, into high school, into college. And then now I speak and write about money for women. 
so I use a lot of my theater training because I'm, I'm on stage. I'm obviously, you know, talking in interviews like this. I'm figuring out how to tell my story, how to be compelling, how to feel comfortable around large groups of people. So I use, I use what I've learned in theater every day. But did I think I was going to be writing, speaking, coaching about money and growing a business and how to manage your personal finances? No, not in a million years. <laughs> No, I can't imagine that you would have imagined that. But that's a fantastic transition. I actually have spoken to a few people who have got theatre backgrounds and do have a tremendous amount of confidence and are able to kind of be in these very like public facing roles. I guess yeah. that's kind of what, what you've experienced too. I'm, I'm really intrigued actually to do like a study on like where do kids who participate in theatre and do drama in life where do they actually end up and like how many of them end up in like very public very public facing very like performative almost roles and if they become speakers in life because the confidence you get from that seems to be tremendous oh gosh and the ability to deal with rejection too right because you're going to get like 99 no's before you're going to get one yes and so I think it makes us really resilient and ironically and I figured this out after I started doing what I do is that there's a lot of women in my space who write and speak about money who actually have theater backgrounds oh I really like five of them right now yeah who do what I do and also have backgrounds in theater and some are still active in the theater community and so yeah it's really interesting when you're told your entire life like what are you going to do with that right like what are you going to do with that degree? And yeah. you're like, well, here's what I'm going to do with it. You know, I think if you're out there and you're wondering like, okay, do I major in English? Do I major in psychology? Do I major in, you know, something that's liberal arts music, right? That off the top of your head, you're thinking like, what do I actually do with this degree? What am I, what am I going to do with my life? There are so many options for you. It's not just about your major or your course of study. It's really about getting your degree and making sure that, you know, you learn a lot and you're open to learning and none of us know what our life's going to look like. So you may as well just ask yourself, you know, what's going to happen next as opposed to what am I going to do with my life? So, yeah. yeah, you're not going to be unemployed for your entire life. Uh, Hopefully, you know, there's things that you can do with that degree besides, you know, teach. Amen. That's great because I think there are a lot of people with theatre and drama and the arts who have wonderful skills that are transferable to so many different industries and it is that diversity of thinking that creates like really amazing companies, products, just ideas that come out of just going into these different industries with that training and skill set. Such an underutilised degree to be honest so your brand is all about her first 100k and it's about financial education targeting women what was the motivation the starting point for that like where did that all begin and how did you know that it was the your calling and your purpose to do this work yeah I had a really great financial education from my parents. I was lucky enough to grow up with two very frugal financially savvy parents who helped instill that in me. And so I actually started my first business when I was nine years old. I had a, uh, I had a group of vending machines, the kind where you put a quarter in and you get a handful of candy out. Um, mm-hmm. So I started that business when I was nine and then ended up owning 15 of those machines by the time I graduated high school. All the profits went to my college fund. So, you know, I was, I was writing checks when I was 10 years old. I opened up a savings account when I was nine. I was learning, you know, a profit and loss statement. I was learning how to manage my money. And I knew that was rare. I knew that was not normal. But when I graduated high school and graduated college, I thought, okay, everybody knows not to overspend on credit cards. 
and everybody knows to negotiate their salary and everybody knows how to invest. And of course, I realized very quickly that that wasn't the case and was especially no, it is not, not the case for, <laughs> yeah, especially not the case for most women and um, people of color and minority groups. And so I was the friend all of my female friends were coming to for advice and guidance. And I thought to myself, okay, with this privilege of a financial education, because that's what it was, it was a privilege, but with this privilege comes responsibility. And so you know, in Trump's world and in Trump's America post-2016, I started to understand the full impact of, you know, being financially educated and how that changes a woman's entire trajectory. You can start making decisions about your life if you have money, right? And I'm not talking like millions and millions of dollars. I'm just talking about like resources, right? So you can quit that toxic job you don't want to be in anymore. You can leave that relationship because you can afford your own apartment. Mm -hmm. You can retire early. You can take a vacation. You can start your business. You can donate to causes you believe in, right? Your entire life the entire trajectory of your life starts changing when you have financial resources. And so for me, having a financial education is a woman's best form of protest. And if I can get more money into more women's hands, the entire world is going to change because of it. And I believe that's what I was put on this earth to do is fight for women's financial rights. That's brilliant. Um, you're so right. There's that I, if I had to look at the times where I've had no money and the times that I have had money, my choices just diminish so quickly when money is restricted or yeah there's just a lack of it and I probably underestimate just how many women don't have the power of financial independence and a lot of us don't know what we don't know so we don't know quite how restricted we are so I think yeah you're absolutely right it's very important what do you tell women first is there like one bit that you're like if you're going to do anything do this Yeah, that's a great question. Regardless of who you are, what your background is, you need an emergency fund. And you and I are recording this right during the coronavirus craziness Mm -hmm. as, you know, I'm in Seattle and I'm in like the heart of it where, you know, the city's shutting down, quite frankly. And so we're in, you know, we're in times of uh, a little bit of an economic crisis. And so you need an emergency fund. You need an emergency fund if you get laid off, if your dog gets sick, you know, if there's a world pandemic where you don't know, you know, the next time you're going to be able to go to the grocery store potentially, right? So um, the first thing I always tell people is you do not pass go, you do not collect $200 until you have an emergency fund. Preferably that's three to six months of living expenses in a high yield savings account. A high yield savings account is going to earn you 20 times the amount of money that you're currently earning at your everyday bank. And it's just making that simple change where, okay, if the money's going to sit there, because that's what we want, we want it to sit there in case of emergencies, it may as well be earning more money for you. So you want three to six months in a high yield savings account. To your point, this is why I do coaching. This is why I do workshops is every Mm -hmm. person's financial situation is slightly different. I like saying personal finance is personal, right? Um, But there is, you know, kind of a trajectory of things and a general order to do things in. And that first one is to have an emergency fund and to make sure that that's available to you, not only for, you know, of course, times of crisis, but just for your mental health. It's really good knowing, okay, I have something in the bank should shit hit the fan. Yeah. I guess my question to that, because I, I definitely see that as important. I definitely um, went through a period of my life, a long, a long time, more than I'm willing to admit, where I didn't see the importance of saving. I didn't really understand it as a concept. I'm like, what am I saving for? I don't, I would save for moments or experiences, but never 
I never had savings for savings sake. Like I need a very clearly defined goal for where that money is going to go or what it's going to be used for. So whether that's like two years down the line, because I really want something like I want to go on a massive holiday, I'll save for that and be quite aggressive and, and diligent about it. But then as soon as there's just like no reason or like you said, like having an emergency fund, like, yes, I know that like technically an emergency could happen, but I'll be fine if that emergency happens. How do you deal with those kinds of mindsets or attitudes towards it? Yeah, it's way more common than you might think. I mm. think pretty much everybody's asked me that question at some point. Oh, right. <laughs> so a, a couple actionable things around that. Uh, the obvious reason why we have a high yield savings account is that so your money can be earning you more money, right? Mm-hmm. If the interest rate is higher, We also do that as a sneaky way of making it slightly more challenging for ourselves to access that money. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, not impossible. You can access a day of if it is an emergency. But basically, by putting, you know, your savings at a separate bank, in order to transfer it back into your checking account, it's one more hoop to jump through, Mm -hmm. right? So you're kind of tricking yourself into not withdrawing that money. The other thing you can do is name your savings account. So instead of like 24601, right, you can name it when shit hits the fan, right? Or emergency fund or Cabo 2021, right? Give yourself a really specific purpose for that money. It's your why, right? It's a lot easier, again, to keep your money in that account when you're about to withdraw money and go like, oh, gosh, I'm robbing myself potentially of that vacation or of, you know, the the peace of mind I'm giving myself when an emergency happens. Because it is when, not if, when an emergency happens. Yeah. The other thing I tell people, people tend to um, put themselves into two categories. You're either savers or spenders. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually all spenders. We are. Yeah. We are all spenders, <laughs> including me who saved $100,000 at 25. I will spend that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's retirement, 65-year-old me will spend that money on cute little handbags and uh, Mai Tais <laughs> on the beach in Florida and taking her cute Pilates instructor, Luca, out for dinner. Like, she is going to spend that money. Um, you're going to spend the money in five years, you know, to save for a house. You're going to spend that money to uh, replace your tire when it goes flat, you know, in an emergency situation. You're going to spend that money to take that vacation in a year. Mm-hmm. Like, you will spend the money you save. It just might not be for a little bit. So if that helps a little bit reframing of like, no, I will eventually get to spend this money. I'm just really trying to make sure that, 30-year-old me is secure, that 40-year-old me is secure, that tomorrow me is secure, right? I think that's a really great psychological shift is you will spend this money. It's just, you know, maybe in, in a little bit. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. Spending, 
I think it gets a bad rap. And I also think that women get pegged with spending a lot. And I know we touched a little bit on the fact that we're all spenders, irrespective of age, background, whatever. No, but there's some severe misogyny that happens, especially with financial media about like the latte in particular, which is like a very like feminine thing. It's like frothy. It's not like black coffee or I don't know, like (laughs) bacon. What's like the masculine equivalent? I don't even know. But no, it's we are we are very much shamed for our spending. And uh, I, I think it's complete and total bullshit. Um, I always say that you don't have to stop spending money. You just have to stop spending money on shit you don't care about. Mm. So I have people think of three value categories. And these are the three areas in your life where you want your money to go. Mm -hmm. Um, You want your discretionary money to go. These are like your three areas that you get the most joy from. So for me, that's travel, food out, and nesting. I like buying plants. I like buying throw pillows. I like making my apartment look real cute. Oh, that's Um, cute. Those are my three things. For you, that might be coffee, it might be makeup, it might be clothes, it might be travel, right? It might be one of one of those things. So it's almost certainly um, travel, yeah. <laughs> Always. Perfect. Yeah. So the majority of your discretionary money should be going to those three categories mm-hmm. and then really shouldn't be going to too many other ones. So for me, coffee's not a priority. If I get to the end of the month and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a hundred dollar, you know, charge at Starbucks, that's an issue, right? That's something that we need to remedy because I that's not important to me. That's mindless spending. That's spending I did out of boredom or out of, you know, me trying to cope with my feelings, right? So you don't have to, again, you don't have to stop spending money. I don't ever want you to deprive yourself. I want you to spend your money. Money is meant to be spent and and give you a well-lived life, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can't blow our money in absolutely everything. We can pretty much afford anything we want. We just can't afford everything. I have a lovely friend in the personal finance space. That's kind of her token thing is you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything. So you don't need to like go full on. Like I'm never going to spend another dime on something that I like again. But at the same time, you can't have absolutely everything you want. And really, why would you spend your hard earned money on something you only kind of care about? And for me, like coffee is a perfect example of that. Maybe coffee for you is super important. Amazing. For me, it's not. And, you know, the occasional coffee, maybe I'll have coffee once a week. That's great. If I'm if I'm doing it more frequently, I'm spending my hard earned money on something I don't really care about. Yeah, I think I'm definitely guilty of spending money on things that I do not care about. Certainly don't need. But I've, I've, I guess money has become slightly more important in the last two years to me. And I guess that now that there's, I guess, bigger movements around discussing it, I guess I've noticed patterns within myself personally, so I can only really speak for myself on this, but I've noticed that spending gets worse for me the less money I have. And I don't know why. So if I feel like I'm running out of money, I'm just like, okay, I don't, I'm gonna, I kind of hit like this weird panic, but also like, well, I'm just going to spend it all because I haven't got any left. So I might as well just hit yep. zero quick and that's, just be at rock bottom. I talk, about that. <laughs> I talk about that all the time. It's the, um, the impulse to go, okay, I have $10,000 of credit card debt. What's another $2,000, you know? And like, that is so dangerous. Yeah. What your brain is doing. So I partnered with my uh, one of my good friends, Alexis. Actually, she'd be a great person to have on this on this podcast. But great. she is a positive psychology coach, and we created this course together called Master Your Money. And basically, I come at you with the actionable money side, and she comes at you with like how you get your self sabotaging brain on board to mm-hmm. like actually, you know, get your financial shit together. But 
we've talked a lot about this and she talks about the fact that when you feel like your life's out of control, you try to control things. Right. And this is what we're going through literally with the whole Corona thing is that like everything is out of control right now. The stock market's crashing. People are getting sick. You know, schools are shutting down. Everything Mm -hmm. seems absolutely out of our control. So we're making drastic life choices in our own lives to try to control something. And that's the same sort of thing, right? Where it's like, okay, uh, I mean, my money's dwindling and it's just kind of the throw your hands in the air, like whatever, I'll just go spend that bunch of money because I'm so anxious and I want to control something, right? And it's like, I may as well get to zero so I can feel like, okay, maybe we start from scratch then. And it's all about the shame, right? Mm. That's really really what it is, is shame is so similar for women to the way we feel. Our shame around money is similar to the shame we feel around our food, our relationship with food and our weight, right? Same sort Mm -hmm. of concept is like, okay, I ate like shit all week. What's another whole pizza Friday night? Like I do this. I'm sure we all do this. And money's the same thing. And then you wake up Saturday morning and you're like, oh my God, I ate a whole pizza. So you like go, you know, I have to go to the gym and then you feel shame. So you go and you like exhaust yourself at the gym and then you get home and you're like you treat yourself because you went to the gym and then you feel bad about it about your treat right and it's just this cyclical horrible thing of shame and money works the same way which is like you give yourself an inch and you take a mile and then you feel terrible about yourself and then it just continues yeah so one of the best things you can do is just have conversations with trusted people in your life about money because chances are they're feeling the exact same way so you know, it's again, like going to the gym, it's a lot easier to show up at seven in the morning at the gym. If you know that you're going to be there with a friend, right. Or if your friend is waiting on you. So if you can say to them, Hey, I'm having a lot of anxiety around my debt. Can I just talk to you about it? You don't even have to talk in numbers if you don't feel comfortable yet. Or, Hey, I have this really big savings goal. I would love your advice. And I would love your cheerleading as I progress through this, you know, through this year or through this month. That's an amazing, amazing lifeline for you and also a lifeline for them because chances are your friend has their own financial anxieties, whether that's debt, whether that's a lack of savings, whether that's feeling like they're not making enough at work. We all have anxiety around money, even me, like I have anxiety around money too. And so the more we can talk about it, shame lives in shadow. So the more we can talk about it, the better we're going to feel about our money and the more we can stop this cyclical process of like draining our savings account and of being like, oh, you know, what's another, yeah, to your point, like, what's another $200 if I, you know, only have $200 left? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it happens to me all the time. But yeah, it's essentially, how did I let it get to this point where I now am in- entirely kind of out of control or could be in serious trouble? But I've also been in like really crazy debt and didn't die. So I've also got that mindset of like, well, right you know either way I haven't got it so if they come asking I haven't got it like I don't know what they're going to take from me because I haven't got anything either and kind of just being a bit like that I've definitely matured since then but I do I have heard that from other people and like people who have like bad credit or because credit takes such a long time to build up yeah especially if you're from a minority group I've heard that a lot if you did not grow up around money if money was a scarcity thing Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to feel that way um what I mean, this is my actionable, but it's kind of woo woo thing is like, I love a bit of woo. Go for it. (laughs) Perfect. Take like five minutes, grab a journal or, um, you know, grab a sketchbook or grab something that you can make visual 
mm-hmm. and write down how your life would be different if you had just a little bit of money or if you felt like I'm financially secure. And again, it's not like I have millions of dollars and I like bathe in, you know, hundred dollar <laughs> bills, but it's just like, what would my life feel like, look like, taste like, smell like, how would my life be different if I had financial stability and I wasn't worried about making rent or I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. What would my life feel like? Because that's the feeling that we actually want to chase. We don't want to chase feeling like, oh, well, you know, if they came knocking on my door, I'll be fine because I've done it before, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really chaotic way to live your life. Yeah, So Agreed. picture what it feels like to not worry about money. And again, we're not saying like you make $10 million. We're just saying like, do you have money in the bank? Are you making rent? Are you financially stable? Could you handle an emergency if it came? Like, what does that feel like? And then when you feel, okay, I'm just going to spend a bunch of money because I already have, or, you know, I'm going to buy this thing I really don't need and don't want because I'm trying to make myself feel better. Keep coming back to the feeling that you're trying to cultivate, which is that feeling of security. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to try that this evening because I'm definitely in my feelings about money this month. Um, (laughs) So thank you. That's so, so, so helpful. I'm sure everyone listening will find that immensely useful, to be honest. Um, I guess the final question, because I don't want to keep you all day. um, What is the best advice you've ever received? And what's the worst advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. And this this is timely for me in this current moment. And it's timely for me pretty much the entire, my entire life. My self-worth is not my accomplishments, and my accomplishments are not my self-worth. I am such a driven, ambitious person that I have tied my productivity, tied my awards, tied my press hits, tied how much money I've made, tied everything to my worth and my value. Mm. And I've really tried intentionally in the past year and have to try every day to remind myself that I'm a human being, not a human doing. And that I uh, have worth and I am enough, even if I am not productive and even if, you know, I don't accomplish everything I need to or feel I need to accomplish. I'm trying to be separate from the things that I do. I just want I I want to be a be a person who does things, not be so tied to what I do or what I'm able to produce. So that's something that I've heard from a variety of sources, but my, the biggest one from, from my mentor who, yeah, tells me all the time, you're a human being, not a human doing Tori. That's That's probably my best piece of advice. Yeah. That's amazing. From one of like the most loving giving women I know. Uh, My worst piece of advice was from a dude. It was from a male coworker of mine at my first job and he Mm -hmm. worked in finance and somehow we were talking about money I was saving. And at this time, I don't know if I had uh, set my hundred K goal yet, but I was saving a good portion of my income And we were talking kind of about, I don't know if I gave him a number or I was telling him, you know, that I was saving, you know, this money. And he goes, you need to be saving less money. He's like, I don't know why you're saving all that money. He's like, you're going to be so miserable and you're going to like, you're not allowing yourself to live your life. And like, you're young and it's fine and everything's going to work out. And 
again, it was kind of well-intentioned where it was like, maybe feel like you can ease your foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. But he didn't know my life and know that actually saving money brought me joy, you yeah. know, <laughs> and that I wasn't depriving myself of things. I was still going to Costa Rica with my best friend and I was still, you know, going out to eat and living life in a big city. Like I wasn't depriving myself. And so it was just advice that was, that has just been echoed in like every I shouldn't say every interaction I've had, but a lot of interactions I've had with men who just don't get what I'm doing and don't get my platform. Yeah. I've just like, it was kind of a comment on my ambition and comment on my drive. Yeah, that's unhelpful. I hear you. That was dumb. (laughs) And no one asked, so ridiculous. Thank you so much, Tori. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. A huge thank you to Tori for sharing a wealth of knowledge on this episode. I know many of us are thinking about money right now, so I hope this proved useful to you. You can find out more about Tori and her work at herfirst100k.com and on Instagram at herfirst100k. Just a reminder that I'll be opening a members-only recording studio for podcasters in Peckham as soon as it's safe to do so. So if you're interested, head to contentisqueen.org to join the waiting list. For updates on Wannabe, follow Content is Queen on Twitter at Content is QN and Instagram at Content is Queen HQ. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends via your Insta stories. We've pulled some amazing quotes from this episode, so you can reshare those via Instagram and Twitter. To get extended show notes listing any of the tools and resources we've talked about on this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. This podcast is proudly a Content is Queen production. It has been lovingly edited and put together by Ellie Clifford. Thank you for listening and until next time, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.